0: Another Ian Collins wants a word fact, powered by the Mitsubishi L200. The Mitsubishi L200 comes with active
1: stability and traction control, making it two million times more stable than a Justin Bieber fan on Twitter. Hello. Ian Collins wants a word. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm sure I haven't made that up. There was an ice cream in the '80s, and it was called the Big Knob. <laughs> I haven't made that up. And before fans of the over gentle reference start to discombobulate with joy, this wasn't a phallic-based confectionery gag because it was actually a circular uh, sort of lolly with a, like a little bit in the middle, which ironically looked more like a tit. On the show, this we attract a new follower called Muffy McButt. <laughs> Andy Burnham's front's worth of this... I am Ambassador Phantom from the planet Crane Corps. ...and we'd be left shaking like John Inverdell at a mum's net summer fate if we didn't dispense large amounts of this. Bork, bork, don't <coughs> really to explain how excited we are about all of that. Uh, here he comes, everybody. Look, in the distance, it's the Peter Tatchell of podcasting. He's Sideshow Kev. When he said Here He Comes, it
2: makes me sound like some sort of one man monkeys. I was thinking more of Bod. And we've spoken about Bod before, but Bod was revolutionary because every single character had specially composed theme tunes performed and sung by the legendary Derek Griffiths. Yeah. Farmer Barlimo was my favourite. <laughs>
0: PC Copper. Here comes PC Copper. (laughs) It was sh**, come on. It was great. It was rubbish. Look. Hardly the herbs.
2: More innocent times, though, let's be honest, because back in the day, Aunt Flo, you go, oh, yeah, fair enough, it's a character in board. These days, it sounds like a lady's time of month. Fair point. (laughs) It's questions and feedback via social media like Facebook, Twitter, and also email, paper airplanes through the window, bricks through the window, and people just shouting stuff at us in the street. You are so going to regret that. Mm Mm-hmm. From Ali. Ali says, how will once a word mark the birth of the royal baby? (laughs) I see some radio stations are changing their names or
0: having special jingles done for the occasion. Yes, we've got a commemorative plate. (laughs) Uh, Do we? We're bringing out. It's got a picture of uh, me and Kev on the front. And Andre on the back. And do we have any suspicions with regard to... If I'm honest, no.
2: Right. None at all. Okay. What are any suspicions? Well, well, boy, girl, name, you know.
0: Other podcasts have been speculating yeah. on the name of the child. Could be born by now, of course. Of course. Yes. Because, you know, people might listen to this in a year's time. And they'll say, what are that pair of honkers talking about? The royal baby's 27. <laughs> well, luckily... It's the it, king! If it has been born
2: then all I have to do is, because obviously podcasts are pre-recorded, they're not live, folks, they don't stream directly into your phone as live, so what we'll do is we'll do a special bit here, and I'll just say, if it has been born, the name of the royal baby, and I'll edit it in later. So, for example, isn't it great that the royal baby has been born and its name is...
0: Nelson. Works like a charm. Well, you you joke, but there is that possibility that, you know, Nelson Mandela a man whose impact on the globe is there for all to see, Yeah, Uh, a quarter of a century in the clink, apartheid abolished becomes the present. All of that, clearly, with with respect, Nelson is reaching his dying days. Yes. Uh, If he's already died, then Nelson is dead, depending on... Yeah. (laughs) Just preparing for every (laughs) eventuality. Yes, and people listen to this in the future, you see. Uh, Wouldn't it be fantastic if Kate and William came out and said, you know, as a tribute, we are calling... Our baby... Nelson. You can just see the aristocracy around the land coughing and spluttering (laughs) on their blue nun Yes, as that announcement is made. Did you hear that, darling? Blue nun? It's true. No,
2: it is true. But, you know, uh, we wish them well and little baby... Nelson. Also... From Manny in Cape Town. Out here in Cape Town, there are entire communities listening to this show. Which show? This show. Hey. I've also noticed a disproportionate amount of these people driving Mitsubishi cars, <laughs> just in case your sponsors are listening. Nice. Anyway, how
0: influential do you think this podcast is? I would like to think we have the influence of sort of Banky Moon or a Boutros Boutros Gali <laughs> character. Really? I would like to think that, Yeah. Mm, not sure about that. I'm not sure. I did have, though, uh, this week, every now and again, when you work in... I was about to say the medium of audio, but I suppose it applies um, sort of media-based generally. Right. But this happens to be something that happens with cab drivers. They recognise your voice. They know your voice because they listen to to radio and and pods and downloads and stuff, and so they know your voice. So I was coming out of Charing Cross Station when this guy says to me, there's the taxi rank, I'm walking towards that, and he says, do you want a word? And I said, sorry? And he said, do you want a word? And I thought, okay, it's a bit strange... And he said, you're Ian Collins, you are. Blimey. Now, he said this, he kind of delivered it like a trauma nurse might address a patient waking up from <laughs> a nine-week coma, as if I didn't know who I was. <laughs> and I kind of looked at him, it was a slightly odd exchange, and then he just went, anyway, get in. And I said, but I don't want a taxi. And then he said, oh, is it like that? And I thought, well, what does he mean? Uh, is, he- it, is it like that? And he just went, never mind. And then he looked at me like i slept with his wife. And drove off. So if he's listening, I didn't. I don't know what his name is. If I've dissed his cab driving bill, I wasn't mm-hmm. trying to... It's not like I was going for a cab. No. I only went over to his cab because he called me over. Yeah. Had he not called me over, I'd have walked straight past and gone to work. I work over the road. It would have been very lazy to take a cab. Yeah. In fairness, he did uh. for his wife, though. Yeah, that's right. Oh, Doris. She's <laughs> <a> lovely lady. <laughs> See her every fortnight. <sighs> so, yes, do we have a an influence? Clearly, with some uh, cab drivers, we do and god bless him everywhere
2: yeah just in case from norman nevermore norman says regarding tv prizes you know we've got this ongoing thing and last week because mm. we were talking about the black black checkbook and pen yeah and you said last week what about bully's special prize yep. and uh, what about um run, run around run around yep. and all that kind of thing well norman says regarding tv prizes never seen a blankety black checkbook and pen that's because he don't exist, Norman. Stop it. But I did once manage to drop a crystal maze engraved crystal on my aunt's kitchen floor with spectacular results. <laughs> did you like the crystal maze? I loved the crystal maze. But only when Richard O'Brien did it. Yeah. When Tenpool Tudor did it, it wasn't as good. It was kind of like, you remember the adventure game? Yes. You know,
0: with the talking blah, 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 plant and mm. stuff like that. It was like that taken to the next degree. Were really you longer. in that bar that time that Richard O'Brien was in? I don't know. Yeah, he came over to the table and he... It was having an argument with somebody about a song in a, a music like Guys and Dolls. And he came up to our table and said, uh, what, what was that, what's that third track in the second act of Guys and Dolls? It's like, you know, Richard, I love your Rocky Horror stuff, mate. Your mm. Crystal Maze was beautiful, but <laughs> f*** off. I had no idea what was track three on act two, scene seven of Guys and Bloody Dolls. Nice man, though. Nice fella.
2: He uh, He's in the States now doing lots of voices over there, I believe. Is he? For kids' cartoons. Okay. yeah, Good work. Uh, from Hartlepool Vince. Vince says Don't you think it's a bit weird that a contestant with a Botox fetish won <laughs> The Apprentice? I haven't watched
0: any of The Apprentice this year. Much like most of the country, judging by the audience figures. The girl that won it, uh, because you know longer go into business with Lord Sugar. He invests in your business. That's the way it now yeah. uh, kind of yeah. works. So he gives you uh, she gets 250,000 quid, which is ironic because that's probably what it would cost to de-wrinkle Lord Sugar. Yes. And she's Going to set up cosmetic uh, surgery places, delivering Botox. But quite aside from that, quite aside as well from the nonsense of contestants uttering uh, "Lord Sugar" twelve times every bloody episode, because it's always the yes, Lord Sugar, morning, Lord Sugar. Those fake stacking hi-fi systems you used to make were sh- Lord Sugar. Yes. All of that, just putting all of that to one side. What is odd? About The Apprentice, and I've never really picked this up before, is this business of the winning team versus the losing team. So they get the results of whatever challenge they've been on. Team Endeavour raised £760. Mm-hmm. You're brilliant. Uh, but unfortunately, Team Capricorn only raised £745. And for the difference of 15 quid, the losing team are treated to this kind of pre-rehearsed set of sugary one-liners in the tone of someone who's prosecuting a global finance case. And you get the, how did you get it so wrong? What on earth did you think you were doing? It was 15 quid's worth of difference. Hardly the national debt of Nova Scotia. There was no real difference between the winners and the losers, and yet the losers are put through the mill and the winners are sort of treated as if they did something overtly spectacular. See, now this is the thing about The Apprentice, and I went off it
2: when a couple of years ago they started doing this thing where you'd have the people who go off for their treat and the people who were staying in the boardroom to get fired. For some reason, they started doing this thing where they're all sitting around in the house in their casual clothes going, I wonder if Johnny has been fired. I do hope not. I like Johnny. And it's also fake. You could tell the producer has sat there and said, Hey, tell you what, can you have a conversation about the fact that Johnny might have been fired? And it's just it's so horribly fake. And I think at that point I thought, I'm not gonna watch this shit anymore. And you didn't. No. Ever again. Exactly. Although interestingly, you know that uh, The Apprentice did change its rules. Did they? Yeah, well it used to be you went you got a job with Lord Sugar.
0: Yes. And now yes. it's you
2: go into business with Lord Sugar. Yep. Do you remember who told us that they changed it because you can't offer a job as a TV prize on this very podcast? Who told us that? Carol McGiffin. That's right, she did. She told us this. There was something else that Carol McGiffin said, which was about appearing on reality shows and how she could never, ever do it. Did you see who is rumoured to be going in Celebrity Big Brother this year? Carol McGiffin. No!
0: We have got to talk to her about this. Because she, she did say, didn't she? I would never, ever, 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 she ever,
2: absolutely, ever, did. ever, ever, ever do that. Now, the story, of course, might be complete nonsense, but you know. From Johnny Number Five, hello, Johnny Number Five is alive. <laughs> Johnny has an entry for "Where's Wichel & Co." Yay. Andre, give me some stop it, <laughs> stop it! It's filthy. Give me some "Where's Wichel & Co." music, dear lads. When I was in my teenage years, I liked nothing more on a Saturday than to pop to Woolies with my pocket money to raid the pick-and-mix section. (laughs) Whilst there, one Saturday, I found myself waiting for some time whilst a man in a light-coloured suit kept weighing and re-weighing his bag of goodies, occasionally tutting to himself. It was only later when I realised it was, in fact, news giant-turned-politician Martin Bell. (laughs) I was also surprised to see him only stocking up on toffee bonbons and toffee bonbons only.
0: The white ones. Well, that's what he put in those big pockets. He reckon he just had a pocket full of bonbons? Yeah, he just walked around with sweets all That bit. was a great album, by the way, Pocket Full of Bonbons. One of the best, wasn't it?
2: Graham, the man who can but often doesn't, says... <laughs> I heard you on LBC yet again banging on about cyclists. Are you stupid, Collins? Or do you really have a hatred for non-polluting, inexpensive, very healthy modes of transport? Hashtag
0: knob. Oh, stop it. All I ever said, and it's the same as what I've consistently said was that it seems a bit weird to me that nobody questions the fact that you put two wheels on the same bit of tarmac as four wheels or, or sometimes in the case of big trucks eight or sixteen wheels on tiny, very narrow Victorian roads and the person riding the bike requires no kind of test to do that this is not a rant of you know, bloody cyclist you should pay insurance and road tax and take a test I'm talking about taking a test for your own king <laughs> safety yeah And how many more cyclists have to die, particularly on city roads? London, three cyclists in three weeks. The point I make is simply that it's just completely impractical, but it's also irresponsible. I'm staggered there hasn't been a lawsuit to TFL or the Mayor of London's office saying, look, are you some kind of supercharged arsehole, Boris? (laughs) Well, we know that anyway, that you'd win that case every day of the week. You're allowing people to just simply go and stick a credit card into a rack, take a bike, mm-hmm. They don't have, there's no necessity for a helmet, no. high-vis jacket, nothing at all. You could be from any land around the globe, you can take that bike and you can ride it on shared road space with a 18-wheeled juggernaut on a tiny 12-foot-wide road. Go figure. And I'm the dickhead here. So, thank you, Graham, the man who can but often doesn't. Maybe he just shouldn't, as opposed to doesn't. Ever. From
2: Dennis... Dennis says, Dear Boys, it's nice of him when he calls us boys. I like to think of us as big, rugged men, really, but, you yeah. know, what can you do? Well, I'm a big, rugged man. You're like, you're Ian Collins, so yeah. you defy description. Correct. Dear Boys, I was looking outside my bedroom window the other day, and I'm sure I saw something in the sky which I am almost convinced was an alien spaceship. <laughs> However, the following day, I was unable to find anywhere where I could report such a phenomenon to the authorities. Can you help?
0: uh no actually we can well we're not ufologists sorry no, we? but we've had enough of them on yes uh, who, who've explained they did because cl- uh nick in fact no not nick because we've had nick pope on yeah um and nick was the last person to work on the ufo desk nick pope was the essentially the <laughs> that closed it <laughs> yes. so, so he's talking to him. hang on andre get us it was tony was it, it was tony topping that was tony to yeah. get us to tony topping Uh yeah punch up his number because he knows stuff about... you got a ringtone. He knows, Yeah, We'll find out here. Yeah. Hello? Tony, it's Ian Collins and Kev. Oh, hey! Uh, listen, uh, we, we know you always listen, and we thought, look, it's important that we get you on for this because there's a certain amount of confusion. We had a an email from... Who was it? Kev Dennis? Yeah. De- De- Dennis woke up uh, the yeah. other day or was about to go to bed the other day. In fact, we're a bit unsure about dennis's state of mind frankly (laughs) however dennis said that he looked out of his window and he saw a a craft now he he was a bit silly here because he called it an alien craft he doesn't really know whether it was or not but it was a a ufo and he was perturbed that he had nowhere to report the sighting now we've talked about this before because there used to be a ufo desk there now is no ufo desk but there are more sightings than ever is that right
1: yeah, that's basically it, matey. Uh, just off the top of and I think the UFO uh, death was closed in 2009 uh, because it, it served no defence purpose and was taking staff away from more valuable defence-related activities, if I can remember the quote of the birth of. and there, there has been some new, uh, newly released files on the subject, but I think it caused much, uh, much intrigue because certainly the government, uh, you know, was intrigued by the phenomenon as well as the public. I think what we have to be careful with, and I was out with a with a film crew last week, and what they had a job on perceiving was when I said UFO, they thought I meant an alien was flying over me, and I didn't. Uh, I, meant, I actually meant a UFO as in, uh, as in, you know, an anomalous phenomenon, a UAP, a UAP, yeah. which, the, you know, the NOD did something called Project Condine, which investigated this as to be an atmospheric phenomena. There is a, an organisation called NICAP who uh, has done pilot procedures for the, you know, for what appears to be UAP. Which, which is really UFO. So, you know, what we've got to think about is the fact that some of these are atmospheric phenomena, some of it could be um, test uh, test drones, all that kind of thing. The thing though with the, the MOD, I think, is that the MOD will know where they fly the and They yes. have designated top secret fly zones across the country. Uh, and me being a bit clued up on air traffic control and things like that, these things that appear are, are off-sector. Um, it could be an atmospheric phenomena of that, there is no doubt, but the 10% that is there is possibly something not of this earth and under intelligent control, I do believe. Okay,
0: but do you think then, is is it significant that they closed the UFO desk, so now people who have seen something more than a Chinese lantern, uh, it's not a 747 on its way to Malaga, it's clearly something else. The fact that there's nowhere to report that kind of cuts the conversation off there and then.
1: Well, yeah, you see, I think, um, in fairness to the MOD, fair I say, they do have a slight point that it would have been draining resources. But the thing is, Ian, is that the, the MOD have now military data. They have enough military data uh, to sink a battleship about UFOs. Most governments, including Russia, definitely Russia and India, Uh, know what ufos are all about they've known for probably since about 1960 1970 as to what these things are of which probably 10 percent are under like an um intelligent control do you
0: think then that the authorities have got data just on unidentified objects or do you think they've got data that proves to them that these objects do have another species flying in them and there is life elsewhere
1: yeah, there is, there is data among government, I think, Ian, that, that would perceive that there is uh, intelligent life forms uh, and that they are flying elsewhere. But it probably is about a 10% kind of thing, whereas the remaining 90% will be atmospheric phenomena, will be the Chinese landing, will be um, right. an aircraft and, and all that kind of thing. But it's this 10% that's being closely, closely watched. I mean, there is the theory, the school of thinking, in a lot of cases, that during 1940 uh, etc etc i'll tell you a little story in a minute but during 1940 for example germany was aware of the fact nazi germany was aware of the facts of these ufos coming from antarctica and britain was involved before america was in in something called operation tabulam which involved operations against mysterious goings-on in antarctica Mm. that involved ufos and what was termed the polar men the polar men the polar Mm. men yes there's a story, in and it's on the internet. Uh, an officer um, of the special, Air, special Boat Squadron gave a testimony, and he gave it four years later and didn't change his story, that he had been dispatched from the Falklands for special missions into Antarctica to do with the fact that a marine unit had been attacked by what could only be described as polar men.
0: So do you think, then, when world leaders get together, so when Putin meets Cameron, he says to him, what do you, what do you think about the latest... Batch of aliens, then Dave, and Dave says, "Yeah, yeah, got the, uh, we got the cabri smash men this week." I noticed. <laughs> do you yeah. do you think there's yeah, yeah, that they I, I, have I, I those conversations the, yeah. on the basis I, yeah, I that the other so. the other knows yeah. what's going on?
1: Yeah, I think Cameron has been fully briefed on the bung up ass reports uh, by alien. Up the bung up what? Bungs of ass reports <laughs> oh, okay. by aliens across the UK. Uh, definitely the cabinet would have been briefed on Blackboard.
0: Yeah, we will see. Well, listen, Tony, yeah. can you let everybody know where they can find out more about the sort of stuff you you yeah, do and maybe, research? Yeah, uh,
1: tonytopping.co.uk and also uh, another one to do with Psychic Espionage, which is R-V-Events. That's R-V-Events. Okay. rvevents.wordpress.com. Tony Topping, Tony, everybody! Tony Topping!
0: Tell you what, I told you, you want a straight answer? Topping's the man. You can't top Topping. Very good. <laughs> Oh f- <laughs>
2: <laughs> And finally, from Don Jeremy. Don says <laughs> Never mind a mainstream movieplex blockbuster, because you know last week we were talking about mm. status quo without making a film, and should there ah, be a yeah. once-a-word film. <laughs> Don wants to know what would a once-a-word porn movie be like.
0: I don't know. I don't wanna think of who's gonna play who or who's gonna play with
2: who. It no. matter. But then if we had Andre we could change his name to switch gender, so it'll be
0: Andre R. And then there be a girl involved, at least. So you know, Andre has a threesome with himself. <laughs> yes. Playing all three parts. Must be a whole fetish genre there. So. A whole fetish, yes. That's I the problem. It probably is. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Andre. Away you go, Andre. Get your cine camera out. Don't call him a for nothing. (laughs) Uh, If you've got any questions you want to send to us, kev at onceaword.com, ian at onceaword.com. We try to include as many as we can. We don't always do them the following week. Can't always get all all those in. And, of course, uh, we do try and pick a cross-representation. Thank you very much. Still to come, by the way, we've got your thing. Stuff. I've got stuff. Kev's got stuff. Stuff to do and say. Yeah, But it is that that time. The feature that takes a long, hard look at life's knobheads. You know the kind of folk, those who, regardless of sex, status or faith, find themselves acting in a penile-based manner. They might be off the telly, they could be your mate or your neighbour, it's even possible it's your other half! Hey! hey, You're you're being a teen! Indeed, whoever they are, wherever they lurk, they are of course the people who from time to time display such traits of sheer dumb buffoonery, you find yourself concluding only one thing. Hey! Hey! You're being a dick. Kev, have you got one? I do. You're familiar with railway stations. Yes, there are it's places where twenty first century and all that. Kid. I know there are places where you can get
2: trains. get a train from to go somewhere, go elsewhere. That's the idea sometimes over long distances. Are you
0: explaining the concept of railway journeys?
2: Yes, I am. Okay, that's for a reason though. Okay, I do have a good reason. As you're also aware, the larger mainline stations throughout the country, when people are trying to promote a service or product, you'll often see them handing out free samples. Yeah samples of you know it could be anything Ritz crackers possibly okay. yeah shampoo my nomination this week are for the people who act like f***ing animals just to get a free miniature cereal bar uh, yeah. it seems to me that when people particularly at rush hour see these people with the red shirts on and their hats handing out something for free they turn into f-f-wits. you can't believe that it's that important it's astonishing The behaviour of these people is just amazing. They gravitate, they wait, they push people out the way just to get the packet of biscuits or the packet of mints or whatever. It's a supreme nomination for these people for the simple reason it's exactly the kind of behaviour this feature was set up to try to highlight.
0: I saw it in the Glades in Bromley the other day. Right. In, in the shopping centre. I first spied the queue before I knew it was going. On. This queue went on and I thought Blimey, Nana Mascurry must be at the Churchill Theatre or something. <gasps> was she? No. Oh. They were giving away a free pretzel <laughs> at the bakery place. There you and go then. The queue was well, it was down one entire end of of the shopping centre. And from where I could see it probably went beyond that now the the main doors, so... Now, you, but you see... There's probably a good 80 people. That's here. a shopping centre, though. People are
2: going there to, to get stuff. Yeah. A railway station in general, you are passing through on your way
0: somewhere. And most people have a job, so it's not like they're starving. Right. Most people are commuters. Yes. So they are going to and from work, so they've, they've usually got the ability to purchase themselves a packet of biscuit if they need to.
2: Just stop it. If you're guilty of that, and I'm sure that people who listen to this podcast aren't guilty of that, they're like me. They point and they mock the people who are like that. No, I'm
0: with you all the way on that one. Uh, here's one for you. I, I would like to nominate Jose Maria da Souza. Oh. Yeah. Uh, poor old Jose, a Brazilian man who died after a cow fell through his roof <laughs> on top of him while he was in bed. <laughs> now, uh, dear old Jose, was 45, had bid him beg with his wife Lenny when this animal fell through the ceiling at their home in Caratinga which is in, you like the accent? I Garatinga, it's very cool. Garatinga. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's in southeast Brazil, as everybody who listens to this will know. And the cow they reckon escaped from a nearby field, and it somehow clambered up the side of the house, which was on some sort of hill, onto the roof, and then it backs onto the steep hill, and <laughs> a minute it stood on a bit of loose slating, through it went, it landed on Jose's head, killed by his own cow. Now, his wife said, uh, I don't know how this happened, he told me he only fixed the roof a week ago. <laughs> <Big> liar. <laughs> no, he didn't. He told you that. Now, if you ever wanted a definition of somebody being a dick, that's the man who tells his wife that he's fixed the roof when he knows full well there's the potential that a cow could climb on top of it and land on his head. Could have been her, of course. You know what, though?
2: Despite the fact there is some amusement there, uh, it's a sad story because someone died. And it's fair to say, it's no laughing mooter.
0: Oh. This comes from Dawn, the Denmark Red, who's back. Hooray! Uh, she says, Further to my last email on this subject, when I told you about my boyfriend buying Ugg boots but not making any reference to them, my lovely intended husband-to-be has been at it again. This time, he purchased a high-vis jacket. <laughs> now, you might think this was a sensible move. Cyclists are always being told to be safe and be seen a perfectly straightforward piece of road safety. However... He doesn't actually own a bike. This doofus simply wanted it for walking to work on the basis that when he goes to work, it's often still dark. I told him, why don't you go the whole hog and buy a flashing blue light for your head? (laughs) Should I rethink my wedding plans?
2: I don't know, he sounds quite sensible. If he's getting up at four o'clock in the morning, he doesn't want to get hit by, you know, a truck. Pedestrians don't
0: usually wear high-vis stuff, do they?
2: It depends what time he gets up.
0: I mean, he's not walking on the moors. Well, we don't know. I don't know where he lives. He might live somewhere with no streetlights. Well, I'm guessing the fact that she's surprised by his high-vis penchant. Uh, He probably doesn't. He's just decided he's got the Ugg boots and now wants a high-vis jacket. Listen, I'm wondering if she just likes complaining about everything. You could be right. Mark in Nottingham. I'd like to nominate the health secretary, Jeremy Hunt. Quite aside from the lowbrow levels of debate on the issues of patients dying, what on earth does this man bring to frontline politics? He's wetter than an otter's pocket and about as much use as a dildo in a monastery. (laughs) (laughs) I'd imagine that could be quite useful, couldn't it? With the threat of stay silent or else, brothers. Yeah. Or you get this... Would that work? Anyway, Mark says, uh, surely a high-ranking job like this demands somebody with a bit of spunk in them. We <laughs> <laughs> Well, he did go to private school, that's all I'm saying. I've lost... <laughs> I've lost for words that this man is in charge of the nation's health. He makes death look attractive. Billy the Big Kid says, Andy Burnham. A bit of political balance here, oh, yeah. just for 13 years of amnesia. Fair enough. This comes from Kettleface, who says... <laughs> The man in my gym, who at the age of 90 reckons it's okay to stand there stark naked and cock his leg onto the bench to dry his bits. We've discussed this before. That's like a kindred spirit, I think, for you, isn't it? Uh, It's horrendous. He says, not only can we all see what this man had for dinner... That's a horrible... (laughs) But we're all treated to the sight of his impendulous gonad swinging gently as he dries himself. It looks like the back end of an African bull elephant. (laughs) (laughs) I have... I, I shared a pain, Brother Kettle... I see this on an almost daily basis. people yep. with absolutely no decorum when it comes to how you're meant to behave in a gym and where you do and where you don't put. For example, don't ever when you're naked and it, just don't bend over at all. Do not in any form arch your body. but you see blokes bending down to pick up this or get their trainers or pick up a pair of socks or something. think don't don't do that. You look as if you're about to shoot the cat. Just leave <laughs> leave it alone. Apply the rule. You Remember when you were taught how to pick up a, a box at school? Yeah. Ne- never bend, always crouch. You mm. know, do th- If you're stark bollock naked in a gym, surrounded by other strangers and members of the public, which is exactly what it is, then do not bend over and display your sphincter to the entire changing room. It's disgusting. Maybe it's just when you're around. Maybe it is. <laughs> All right, Collins, for are of I don't know where I can go with that. Uh, John Bradley says, I'd like to nominate John Inverdale. He's a dead cert. Yes. Uh, we, had, we had more uh, nominations uh, for this this week for John Inverdale. Of course, he made the, uh, disparaging comments about the female tennis player. Yeah. But there's an interesting twist on this because what he said was a bit dicey, really. and You sort of expect a little more uh, from the BBC in the 21st century and a bit more... I didn't really expect more from John Inverdale because I'd imagine he's that sort of bloke, frankly, but... expect a little more when you're broadcasting in public. If he wants to say something to his mates in private, it's it's not a huge kind of PC agenda going on here, but you know, he's broadcasting on a national broadcaster for goodness sake. So he says, he looks at this tennis player and he says, you know, she was never going to be a looker. Um, And if you don't know which one we're talking about, it was that pig ugly one that played in the final. She's playing uh, another girl, but the other girl, who was more animated and clearly, uh, no other way of putting it, clearly the the more attractive of the two, in terms of advertising. Mm -hmm. I bet you the one who was the runner-up gets more advertising deals than the girl that won. Was John Inverdale, although his choice of words was a bit... (laughs) ..and clearly no place in the 21st century, was he echoing something? That actually there was an odd kind of twisted truth to it, in the sense that the world of sport, sponsorship, commercialisation... Is likely to go to the person who's better looking. Well, Sharapova's is a good example. She wished to <laughs>
2: at tennis, but now she's selling bottled water. Fair point. When I say sh, probably better than me,
0: but not better than you. Uh, Stuart says, Wayne Rooney, he gets £250,000 a week and he's still miserable. Uh, Stuart says, I think you should therefore change this feature to Hey, hey, you're being a colossal thunder. <laughs> <laughs> oops. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I'll get I'll get that sung tomorrow. That's the bit that we like. And Andy Wildman says uh, I'm nominating my father. He bought a rake, but hasn't got a garden. Tit. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> Why would you buy a rake if you had not got a garden? Is there any other use for you know? Is there a dual use? Because you could buy a broom if well, you didn't have well, a backyard. Because you could use it indoors. Is he a gardener? Does he go around other people's gardens? Ah, that's what you're not thinking, Andy. Maybe yeah. he goes to the, the pensioners next door and he helps the old folk uh clear out their bushes. It could be a charitable yeah. act. Perhaps he goes to, you know, Care
2: homes with his rake and rakes stuff up. Possible. I'd like to think he's possible. Gotta give
0: him a heart of gold from Esther. Old That's what we say. Old Daddy Wildman with his with his rake and his bucket and never far away. From his hat. You. you always know Wildman and his hoe. Out and about the town yeah. doing good for the community. With a with a little speaker pack
2: playing the former Barlimo music as yeah. he walks around so people know he
0: means business. They know he means business.
2: Barlimo meant business. Pa Wildman also means business. Then he get
0: loads of sponsorship and go like to Africa and yeah. build huts for uh, people without huts. I think it's fair to say he deserves a knighthood. Andy Wild- Wildman's dad is essentially
2: He's a saint. Father Treaser. Yeah.
0: That's what he is. He's a he saint. Is. Yes.
2: And yet his bastard son, just ungrateful, and takes the piss out yeah Who's the tip now, Who's Andy? the tip
0: now? Uh, if you've got any more of those you'd like to send to us, uh, just do it at the usual addresses. Kevin at once a Ian at once a And we take a pause from all of this to talk about you. Yes you. You work hard, you enjoy a laugh you know what you like. You are clearly a person of great taste so you really deserve to be driving a Mitsubishi L200 This is one sexy bit of kit For example, it can drive in two-wheel drive or four-wheel drive on tarmac thanks to the class-leading Super Select four-wheel drive system Beat that. And there's never been a better time to own one It's now available at an incredible price The L200 Trojan Double Cab is just $50 Nine 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 with a five-year, 125,000-mile warranty plus optional three-year fixed-price service plan so you don't need to fret about unforeseen costs biting you on the bum later. Check it all out and find out more details mitsubishi-cars.co.uk slash L200. The Mitsubishi L200, now with a five-year, 125,000-mile warranty. Yep, adhere to that. I adhere to this. Uh, Be upstand No, don't be upstanding. Just stay where the hell you are. Uh, No, no, stand up. Stand up.
2: What do you people to stand up for your feature? But that's how people who are listening on the train or or the tube or uh, would know each other. The whole carriage is now standing up. Stand up on the 820! That would rely on people all listening at the same time. But if people just start standing up randomly, it'd look a bit odd. So I think it's fair to say that whenever you see someone standing up with headphones in... They're enjoying this podcast. Well, yes. they're
0: listening to this podcast. Uh, yeah, enjoying is a strong word, Kev, to apply it to what we do here. But yes. So what have you got for us this week?
2: Well, you know, Twitter and Facebook and the like it can be baffling, especially <laughs> yeah. if you're new to them. Lots of it, yeah. Uh, I mean, making a faux pas in a social media situation, <sighs> it can be just incredibly damaging. Yeah, not good. So with that in mind, it's time for Sideshow Kev's Social Etiquette Scenario Test. Okay. Check it out, E. Yeah, all right. I'm just going to present you yeah. with a scenario. Okay. You just have to, you know, tell me what you would do in that... In that scenario. In that okay. situation. Well, fair enough. For example, on Facebook, yep. a friend posts, Oh my God, I can't believe that just happened, and nothing else. Now, should you comment, or are they just desperate for some attention?
0: Firstly, uh, unfriend them. People do say that a lot. Loads. I can't believe what's just happened.
2: Yeah, but that's exactly it. People are meant to comment oh, my God, honey, H-U-N-N-I, then you have a dialogue about it. And yeah. it's just to get attention. These people deserve your pity,
0: correct? I would say. yes. So unfriend them is the advice. Don't reply to them.
2: Interesting, because hmm. I think we're finding out a little bit about how your mind works.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, Twitter. Believe me, I've dealt with every bloody oddball you could deal with <laughs> yes. on s- social networking. Tra-
2: well, not just social networking, in life. <laughs> you do attract them. Yeah. On Twitter. Yes. You attract a new follower called... Muffy McButt, <laughs> who tweets you nothing but weird, tiny URL links. Should you follow them back and send a welcoming
0: DM? Uh no. Uh, you, you, the best thing to do with people like that is obviously to uh, ignore them. Uh, sometimes you block, you block somebody, uh, as well as ignore them. Uh, sometimes you don't block somebody, uh, usually on the advice of the police. First, you keep them unblocked. Because the minute you block somebody, somebody will say you're showing attention. Obviously, we have a team of people that deal with our Twitter, but suppose you're not meant to get into it. so even blocking somebody can be seen as an acknowledgement of some sort. Yeah. And if you do that, that might have just achieved the result. But, but sometimes
2: they're just annoying. Yeah,
0: I mean, you get all kind of... You know, I tend to just ignore uh, folk who are overtly weird. You, you spot it a mile off. But you click on the links, though, right? D- yeah, right. Obviously, I do that on my computer. I love to have some contaminated piece of filth weaving its way about round my hard drive. <laughs> it's not meant to be some kind of <laughs> double gr- R- R- No, a- <laughs> No double for God's sake. This is the Jim Davidson show. Here's another one.
2: God, on. You're told via Twitter that someone on the radio station you used to work for has stolen one of your old features and is passing it off as their own. <laughs> How do you react? I say, Danny Kelly, you thieving... <laughs> whack, <laughs> Give it back! <laughs> your Facebook account is hijacked, but the person posting as you is actually very funny, and everyone still thinks it's you. Do you let them continue or have them shut
0: down? No, I, I think I'd keep them going for, you know, I don't know, a goodly while. Really? Yeah, I right, a goodly while. They? couple of (laughs) years. Why not? What have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? Nothing. Reap the benefits. Reap the benefits of the comedic joy of the
2: imposter. Finally, someone asks you to retweet a message for someone you don't know who it's claimed is terminally ill and whose dying wish is to get to
0: 100,000 followers. Do you retweet? No. This is confusing. I've got a lot of mates who work in, in the media and a lot of them make a point, even on their profiles, I'm saying I never retweet charitable requests. Now, I don't quite know why you'd have a rule on that. I think that's a bit kind of strange. But mm. by the same token, you could do it all day long. You could just find your entire uh, Twitter presence is based up solely of retweeting messages of people who are ill. Now, sometimes there's a link to a sort of just giving site, and it's clearly legit. Other times it's somebody taking the piss. And if somebody is saying their dying wish is to get 100,000 followers, they're probably telling you f***ing lies.
2: But this is it, and this is what I don't get, though. If there's some guy, like, you know, some 20-year-old who who takes a picture of Google Images of a, a, a kid who's clearly had chemotherapy or something, and then makes this account, and, I mean, what satisfaction do you get? Oh, I got 100,000 followers for people thinking they were following mm. somebody who's dying and actually it just, it just seemed weird what, to the, me. The troll No, of... dude, the internet is weird. Dude, I'm, I it want it shut with?
0: down. I want it closed. Stop Who it, Who do I yeah. have to talk to in government to yeah, have the internet closed? Uh, Tim Berners-Lee, you great big... <laughs> <laughs> giving it large But oh, you know, we invented something we think is rather special here. No, you just corrupted the entire planet. Nobody knows whether they're Arthur or Martha right now, all due to the internet. You don't know whether they're... Come off Facebook, go on Facebook. Do you join this? Do you start Friends Reunited? Do you go back onto MySpace? Do you know what you're doing when it comes to shopping? You one-click this, one-click that. Before you know it, you can't pay your (laughs) mortgage because you've bought too many bloody Hoovers off of Amazon or too many DVs from Play.com. You watch your movies on there. You've got no CDs anymore. Everything is virtual. And all your friends, you don't speak. don't even send birthday cards anymore, do you? No birthday? Oh, no. Send send an e-card, because everyone loves an e-card. What the (coughs) f***'s an e-card? And it's all down to you, Tim Double Barrelled Burners Lee. Yeah, oops. You can follow Ian Collins on Twitter, at IanCollinsUK. Credit stream. And there you go, enough of that caper. We are, of course, back next week. Thanks to you for downloading. If you like what we do and want to help support this podcast, then get over to iTunes to rate, review, and importantly, subscribe. Android users can try us on the free Stitcher app or download at stitcher.com slash once a word. Thanks to all of our guests. All can be followed on Twitter, as can we, at once a word. The in-show feature and sponsor music is by Kevin McLeod. His website is incomputech.com. The show's technical operator is Andre Porch. The programme was edited by Sarah Woods. Our intern was Lionel Ritchie. And today's utterly gobsmacking fat comes from Les in Preston, who tells me that humans are the only species that have sex face-to-face. Unless, of course, you live in Bromley, where, for obvious reasons, such behaviour is ill-advised. If not, illegal. Oh, and as ever, the in-show catering was provided by Abdul's Coffee Shack. We're back next week with comedian and self-confessed Blair lover, Matt Ford. Until then, goodbye. A Big Things Media Production. (laughs) Big Things! Another Ian Collins wants a word fact, powered by the Mitsubishi L200. The L200 comes with a five-year, 125,000-mile warranty. Sometimes the facts just speak for themselves. I am Ambassador Phantom from the planet Crane At this moment, I am rapidly approaching your planet. You will tell me then whether you prefer to surrender or die. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 ha.